after he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had returned to the table, Jesus said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, there was a priest and a rabbi who were taking a drive one day in separate cars, and they had a horrible head-on collision. And after the collision, they each get out of the car alive, and the rabbi looks at the priest and sees his collar and says, you're a priest, I'm a rabbi. Oh my, we have survived this horrible thing. It must be a sign from God. We must celebrate our good fortune. And the priest said, I agree completely. This is remarkable. And so they're looking at the wreckage and they're going around and the uh, rabbi looks into his car and he pulls this out and says, look at this. It's a bottle of Mogan David wine. Why, this is another sign from God. We should drink this and, and celebrate our good fortune. The priest says, I agree completely. Open the bottle. So the rabbi hands the bottle to the priest. He drinks down half the bottle and hands it back to the rabbi. And the rabbi takes it and puts the cap right back on the bottle. And the priest says, well, aren't you going to have any? And the rabbi says, nah, I think I'll wait for the police. (laughs) Smart rabbi, smart rabbi. You don't have to be a rabbi or a priest or a minister to connect with the divine spirit of God. You don't have to have a Ph.D. or a bachelor's or a master's degree. You don't need to be born in a certain country or live in a certain neighborhood. The love of God is for everyone, no matter who you are or what you have done. We're meeting today around the table And we're focusing on good table practices that we learn from Jesus. So let's turn to our scripture lesson for today. Jesus is having a dinner with his friends. It happens to be the last dinner that he'll be having with them. And always when Jesus is meeting with other people, he has a learning moment to share with them. And he always has a little twist Uh, in the time together so instead of pouring another glass of wine Jesus gets up and says I want to wash your feet and people are just dumbfounded by that you can't wash my feet folks say I have stinky feet I have sweaty feet I have crooked toes you don't want to wash my feet oh Jesus why are you asking me why can't you ask someone else and there's the question Why doesn't he ask someone else? Because he's asking you and I. We have been called to serve. Jesus was trying to say that he did not come to be worshipped 
so much as he came to serve. So we meet around this table and we come to it and we ask, who else will we invite to our table? Whose friends of Jesus will we have come? In the scripture it says, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Or to put that another way, to know and not to do is really not to know. That was said by Leo Buscalia. You remember him? The University of Southern California professor of love, they called him back then. To know and not to do is really not to know. Well, my time uh, is so uh, full that I usually don't have time to watch much television. And so when we do sit down to watch it, I like watching the Home and Garden Network, uh, HDTV. I mean, Property Brothers, you bet. Uh, beach, beach Hunters, whatever that is, uh, Bargains, Beach, beach Bargains. Uh, I love Love It or List It. Uh, those are all great shows. Love to watch uh, all of that. And every time I watch those shows, it, it helps me feel at home. Uh, I'm right at home there. I think it's a great marketing tool to have a home and garden uh, network. But one thing that it reminds me of is a book that I saw in the, our church library. I was looking at the UMW cart, uh, and I glanced upon a book called Eat with Joy, Redeeming God's Gift of Food. And in that book, uh, it was written by Rachel Stone, she talks about our diets, and why it seems that Americans don't somehow lose or stay as healthy as folks in other countries. She even mentions France as a big example. She says that there's something about the lifestyle of folks that doesn't uh, lend itself to that, that healthiness uh, than just eating good foods uh, uh, can do. So she mentions France and says that in France, people's religion is food over there. It's cuisine. They would sit at a table for hours just on one meal, sipping a glass of wine uh, for seemingly uh, endless amount of time. And they would then add to that their lifestyle. They would be going on walks. They would be cycling. They would be uh, doing many other things along with that, plus savoring life, finding a way to savor life. Uh, making things last longer, and really enjoying conversation. Because God wants you and me to savor life, not just live life. God wants us to relish a daily walk, not just endure the hours of a day. For we have been offered a place at the table of God where we have a home and a garden, where we can be as comfortable as we are in our own living rooms. At the table, we can practice hospitality, simplicity, love. We can have hard conversations too, difficult conversations, because love takes practice, it takes patience and forgiveness. So there's a place at this table for you and for me. One of my favorite times of every week is Saturday morning. I'm sure it is the same for a lot of you, too, but Saturday morning I get up with my cup of coffee and open up my laptop, and I look for one particular email 
And that is the one from the Tulsa Public Library. The library every week puts out all their newest books that they've got coming in or that on, are on order or ones that they think would be, you know, uh, interesting uh, for folks to look at. And so I go through all the categories, religion and spirituality and science and history and biographies. And you may ask, why do you do that? Why do I like doing this so much? Well, I'm a minister and I'm always looking for sermon illustrations, even though I don't preach that often. I'm always looking for a good story. A good story can always help. And one time I found this book title that just popped out at me and it said, Everyone is African. How science debunks the myth of race. And I thought, now that's an interesting title. Everyone is African. It was written by Daniel, Fletch, Daniel uh, Fairbanks. And in that book, he writes... And I want to read it uh, because it's, it's important that I get this right. Given the vast amount of human genetic information currently available, traditional racial classification constitutes an oversimplified way to represent the people of the world. Mutations, and that simply means like from prehistoric folks to homo sapiens, that, that we've mutated along the way. Mutations have been creating new DNA variants throughout human history. And the notion that a small proportion of them define human races fails to recognize the complex nature of their distribution. A large proportion of variants are very ancient having arisen more than 100,000 years ago in Africa, where all people, when all people lived there, and are now spread throughout the worldwide human population. These variants have been dispersed over tens of thousands of years as people migrated in myriad ways within Africa, out of Africa, back into Africa, and then across other habitable continents. In other words, the idea of racial superiority is a myth. It brings out of us more of a sense of wonder at the incredible variety of the human population. Now, I know many people will find it difficult to accept what current science tells us about the myth of race. And I'm sure that Daniel Fairbanks would never thought that his research would end up in a minister's sermon, but I'm delighted with this news, for it confirms what Jesus affirms in his text, that we are all family around this table. The table of God welcomes anyone to sit there, and your place is waiting. Very truly, I tell you, says our scripture, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. So come sit at the table where you are at home. It's a life-changing image for us. Now, many of you know that uh, my parents... Uh, have just moved into Methodist Manor, as I so shamelessly uh, said in the TV camera uh, just a minute ago. They're at Methodist Manor now. They're in their 90s. And after being in the hospital a couple of times, it, it was that 
moment in life when we needed to make that uh, adjustment. Uh, my, my father uh, is uh, the last of two in his family of 10 brothers and sisters. Uh, and he has another aunt or another sister, Anna, who lives in North Carolina. That's where I'm from. And so they were, uh, what, what this change has meant for me personally is that I've gotten very interested in our family story. And so I've, I've really uh, picked up a whole lot of books. I've gone to uh, workshops. Our own guru of, of genealogy right here at Boston Avenue is Barbara Meehan. I know she's out there, but she's the one uh, that really inspired a lot of us to get involved in genealogy. And then I think of this show, you've probably seen it, Who Do You Think You Are? It's on the Learning Channel. And oh, by the way, I'll make a plug. Uh, it starts, it premieres tonight, and Alfre Woodard is the guest. She's, you know, from Tulsa. So that's going to be happening uh, tonight. But on that show, they really use Ancestry.com. And Ancestry.com gets you in touch with all the birth certificates, death certificates, marriage records, obituaries, all the information that you're trying to gather about your family. Well, I have looked at my Kroll family, and I've found an incredible array of people. Now, let me tell you some of the names that I've come across. And you young parents out there who are about to have kids, I want you to write these names down because these... <laughs> These are names you got to have in your family. Okay, here's one. Theodosia Files Kroll. Is that beautiful? She was called Dosi. Dosi Biles Kroll. Then there's Jemima Sharon Kroll. Uh, don't know where that name came from. Jemima Sharon Kroll. And, of course, we had our George Washington Kroll. We did. We had Thomas Jefferson Kroll. We had one there, too. But here's a name for you. Anna, Kadrina, Catherine, but her last name was not Kroll, it was Growl, G-R-A-U-E-L. She was born in Germany, and she died in Mecklenburg County, North Carolina. That's Charlotte, where that is. So I was amazed. I thought, far out, man, in the words of, of, of John Denver. I thought that was so cool that he, that in my family, I've, I can see the link of German to America right there, and then I've gone back as far as 1655 so far because of Ancestry.com, and, and I can see a trip to Germany coming along very, very soon uh, to get back there. I'm going, I can tell you. But you know what they say in genealogy? They say that all of us are just six relatives away from somebody famous. It used to be Kevin Bacon, uh, the actor. They used to always say that, Kevin Bacon. Uh, but it's just another way of saying that we are all related. And the fun is discovering how. The fun is learning your story. The fun is realizing that when you sit at the table of God, Jesus is there to say that you are a welcomed guest. And the friends of Jesus that you will meet and get to be with will be some of the most fascinating and interesting people you've ever met. Also, some of the most difficult persons you've ever met, too. Now, there's a movie that I think really says this well, and it's a movie that you probably didn't see. It was 20 years ago, 1996. 
It starred Robert Duvall and James Earl Jones. And the name of the movie is A Family Thing. Okay? And the movie is about a Scotch-Irish Southern American uh, by the name of Earl Pilcher. That's Robert Duvall's character. And Ray Murdoch, that is uh, James Earl Jones' character. And it's a story about how Earl receives a letter after his mother's death. And a lawyer comes by and hands him the letter just like a few days after his mom's death. He was very sad. He says, your mom wanted me to give this to you. And he opens it up and it says that his mother was not his real mother. That his mother was actually a black maid of theirs named Willa May. That his white father raped uh, many, many years ago and who died when, he, when she gave birth to Earl. So that's the setup of the story. And you know that's a very interesting story. And so it goes on to say that her last wish was for Earl to go to Chicago to meet his half-brother, Ray, Ray Murdoch, who is a policeman in, in Chicago, and meet his family, his real family. And so it turns out that Ray didn't want to have anything to do with Earl. Ray blamed his father for killing his mother. And every time he even looked at Earl... He saw the past, and so he didn't want to have anything to do with this guy, Earl. But Earl goes to Chicago anyway. He sits down and meets with Ray and has a very difficult uh, conversation. Uh, was very angry, all of this. But the other person that he meets along the way is Aunt T. Who's Aunt T? She's the sister of Willa May, and she knows all about who Earl is. She knows the entire story. And she says an interesting thing to Earl when they're walking along. She's a blind woman, okay, so imagine that too. She's blind, and she says, I know why you're here, Earl, better than you do, for you need to know your history, son. Yes, we all need to know our history, whether that's through genealogy or coming to terms with family stories, or we, we need to sit down at the table and have a good talk, for that's what the table invites. Food invites. Sitting down for a good meal is part of our daily routine, but if you can remember that it's God's table, that makes all the difference. Because that's why family blessings are so important. God I thank you for this food and for the people that are sitting with me. That's an important prayer to have. So at the very end of the movie, Aunt T calls her grown nephews to come sit down beside her, and she's going to tell them the story of what happened the night that Earl was born and his mama died. He said it was a very difficult birth. Uh, the baby had turned and the doctor was going to have to do some very extensive work to get the baby uh, out and so T and little Ray he was about three years old at the time were in the other room waiting anxiously because they saw the faces on the, doc the, on the doctor and the nurse uh, and they were very grave they didn't know if they were going to get through this 
And as they waited, the next thing they heard was a cry of a baby, and the doctor brings the baby in and sets it in Ray's arms. And Ray looks at that baby and says, Oh my, this is my baby! With a big, bright smile on his face. And then, uh, in, the, in the other story of when they're older, Aunt T looks at Ray and says, You held that baby in your arms. Isn't that something? And so, in that moment, Earl takes Aunt T's hand and kisses it and puts it right up next to his cheek. And probably for the first time in his whole life, he was truly at home, truly with the ones who loved him deeply in his life that were kin. And tears were coming down his face and changes were happening inside of him that he did not expect. And I'm not going to tell you any more about the movie because I really, I've said enough, let's just say that, but I hope you can go out and find it uh, out there. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob comes to us in moments like that to sit at our table and show us the depth of God's love. With Jesus sitting at the table with us, we are brought into a new family too. And if we choose to express our love and share it and take this love seriously, we will find ourselves grounded and at home in a way of beauty. It's a sacred thing. It's something that's very, very holy. And I pray that you experience that in your life very soon. But the question I want to leave with you today is, who will you invite to your table? Amen.